You know what's a fun thing to do is to talk about, say, he remember that part in Star Wars, but then mentioned something from The Phantom Menace? <laughs> remember, that part in, remember that part in Star Wars where they found out that Anakin had too many midichlorians and he wasn't going to make it? He wasn't going to be good enough to be a Jedi? Remember that part in Star Wars where they did pod racing? Remember that part in Star Wars where it's revealed that Anakin doesn't have a father because his father's the Force? Because his, he's a little G, a little G biscuit boy. Remember that part in Star Wars where the alien rabbit steps in a poop, and he's mad. <laughs> Rory is G biscuit. Is G biscuit the 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 Jesus for horses? <laughs> the Jesus of horses. <laughs> hey, that's our guy. <laughs> it's horse Jesus. G biscuit. <laughs> Let me tell you about my family. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Tuesdays. We are just having a great time here on this animated podcast about real cartoons. My name's Andy. My name is Austin. And my name is your best friend, Roy. And we're just we're just having a really luxurious time here, and we're we're on the beach, and we're sipping margaritas, and it's just hot like, as heck in this mink. But just you know like what Rory you wanted? <laughs> you've gotta you've gotta what you've gotta bring your you gotta bring your country best out to the beach. You gotta let people. <laughs> we're luxuriating, yeah. and I don't and I don't do it any other way but hundred percent. You know what I'm talking about, boys? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. But you know, it's it's funny. We we just got our margaritas, and we go take a sip, and. There's uh, there's no salt on the rim, which oh, is gosh. really what am, I, what am I to lick? I know <laughs> it's really lick? it's really upsetting. And oh 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 no 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 no, we've all been mistaken. We've we're actually in a horrible purgatory where everything's mildly inconveniencing. Oh uh, no, yeah, it's pretty bad. And Rory, you're really hot because of that mink. And I know you did that to yourself, but they they allowed it, and that's that's purgatory appropriate. I had my I had my girlfriend bury me bury my legs into the sand, so that part of me is cool, <laughs> and my top part is cooking cooking like a roast duck. <laughs> this mink. Uh, but here's the purgatory part. It's not your girlfriend. It's an old uh, clam. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I had an old clam bury me in the sand. <laughs> With its clam hands? How did the it tongue? work that? Oh, it tongued him into the sand. You're yeah. familiar with Pokemon, right? Uh, right? Yeah. Are you talking about that very good boy, Shelder? Shelder with his big, long tongue and funny eyes. Yeah, he's but a, like an old version that smells Like good. an old show. Like an old that smells <laughs> Like he stopped, he, stopped, he stopped taking care of himself. Purgatory's not going to be so fun where it's like, hey, Pokemon are real, but they're old and they smell bad. <laughs> but they're old? <laughs> they're like Purgatory, man. They're it's like the 50 and they have inappropriate op- opinions for the modern age. <laughs> right, let's keep it. Let's keep it to one theme at a time, Austin. <laughs> I'm just describing purgatory. Austin trying to 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 take over the whole premise of the theme. Uh, that's just another mild inconvenience you'll find here in purgatory. It's Pokemon, but they're old. <laughs> but Rhydon has opinions on Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> Right on, we'll talk about that at the drop of a hat here on the beach with our bad margaritas and, and furs, and we're buried halfway in the sand. This is a very clear I think, theme, uh, I think. I thought they were good margaritas, but there's just no fun licking. 
no fun right. licks there's, to be had. There's no fun licking. There's they're, no flavor They're enjoyable balance. enough, but you're left with like a sad, empty feeling. Like, what, like you're sort of all you can think about is what could have been. And you that's keep purgatory. lapping at the glass, expecting it to be different, but it never is. They're a little it's sweet never too. <laughs> And, and there's no triple sack. <laughs> it's just like Tantalus. If if Tantalus actually had it was a margarita thing and about it not tasting very good instead of like dying of thirst. Uh, so today we watched episodes uh, six, seven and eight of Over the Garden Wall. So we got a little three for for us today. Uh, and I really, I really liked this week. I thought last week was going to be my favorite, but I actually think this week was my favorite. I don't know how you guys. Oh, absolutely. This has both my favorite episode and the one that I'm most impressed by. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm interested to hear. And they're different episodes. (laughs) Whoa. Uh, yeah. So let's, uh, let's purgatory. Right in. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're going to. Pasture to me, Dad laid an escrow. She has a way to send us back where we came from. I don't know who she is or how she is or when or why she is, but as for where she is, she is is where we will go. To Adelaide, Adelaide, come on and join the Adelaide parade. Adelaide to Adelaide, we're going to Adelaide's house today. All right, so I've dust. I, I've shaken the sand from my swimsuit. My, my, I don't know if it's worse to have a slightly too tight or slightly too loose swimsuit. I think probably too loose because depends how modest sw- you are. Well, if you're <laughs> swimming around, you're gonna feel that drag. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. At least Boy, a tight swim. I. At least a tight swimsuit. You're gonna move like a little guppy through <laughs> 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 the sea. Like an old mudkip. That... Excuse me, swimsuit seller. I want to feel like a guppy in the waves. <laughs> I want to be a guppy in the waves. <laughs> oh boy, what are we watching? What's our What's our deal, Rory? We watched over the garden wall. We watched episode six. Mm-hmm. So we watched episode six, and the and the name was Lullaby in Frogland. Right, so that's right up my alley. If you know anything about me, I'm a big <laughs> yeah, that's fan of that's, fr- that's right. That hits that hits a lot of my that hits a lot of my boxes. But basically, we we enter we enter the show. They're on the the quote the ferry that was um, sort of prefaced in the last episode where they were supposed to pay the ferryman two pence to get on, but they didn't. So they've smuggled themselves onto the ferry. We don't know how, but they're on it, and it is for some reason. A full of frogs, and uh, <laughs> and hijinks ensue. These frogs are somewhere between like uh, the animals from the school an episode ago, inter- and like full like red wall in terms of like yeah they they rib it, but they're clothed and appear intelligent. Yeah, they don't speak English, but they have culture. Like it's hard <laughs> to tell where these guys are, but they're they're clearly intelligent frogs. Yeah, there's some fun in the mystery of that. In the mm-hmm. uh, inability to pin down exactly what, I mean, really what's going on at any real point in time <laughs> in this show in general, uh, adds to the funny vibe. The funny and, vibe. And I guess it bears mentioning, so so we talked about in the first episode how how Greg has, has a uh, parade of names for his pet frog. Mm-hmm. And somewhere around last episode, maybe this episode. They kind of land on a convention of sticking to one name for the whole episode. Sure. And in this episode, his name is George Washington. And he's the president of the United States. 
Yeah. And that's the kind of that it's part of part of the bit, but it's he's always George Washington. He does yeah, become so. Ben Franklin at the very end. Oh, at the very very end, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um but in general, yeah. Yeah, so these these frogs on this riverboat, they're a bunch of like dandy frogs. Like they're very <laughs> dutied up. They're they're southern they're southern bell frogs these, and like these are antebellum frogs. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, they On are the Mississippi River. Yeah, like a whole riverboat steamboat sort of party. I guess it. I mean, it looks like they're like it's a bunch of couples. Like there's a lot of people doing couples dancing, and there's a big yeah. They've band gone to playing. cotillion. <laughs> 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 or what's the is a cotillion the same as what's the when the when the when the when the old southerners i think that's cotillion the one the one the one where old southerners announced that their 16 year old daughter is ready to fuck isn't that yep. cotillion <laughs> yep that's cotillion yeah, i know what a what a great tradition uh, so um, this is an interesting episode because um a lot of it really is compared to some of the other episodes is uh an episode a transition episode sure yeah. um it's uh you know there there's light conflict for most of the episode. Yeah, it's uh, kind of because... a it's kind of a Benny Hill chase from <laughs> Right, yeah. yeah, this Keystone Cops situation uh with low stakes generally and they're really just kind of getting from one place to the next place and usually these episodes so far have been arriving somewhere and spending the whole episode and yeah. then leaving the, at the very end. The, the heightened drama in this episode is Beatrice having, she has decided that she, she is not, she's no longer complicit in the plot to, to deliver these boys to Adelaide. She's yes. And, and we've hinted at that in the past and it's possible on your first watch, you haven't gathered that here that maybe she's, you know, maybe Adelaide's not all it's cracked up to be Adelaide's house. Yeah. <laughs> but in this episode, in this episode, Beatrice is doing her best to have the plan to get to Adelaide's fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. She is having second, third and fourth thoughts about everything here. Um, but to to sort of match or, or, or offset her like increased sadness in this episode, Wirt is full on excited. He thinks that they're near the end of their sad journey. And he is in the best mood that we see him in the entire show. Yeah, Wirt's just learned to be decisive, and he's decisive about going to Adelaide's, and he couldn't be happier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he That he's made up his mind. Yeah. Greg starts to sing a reprise of his uh, Let's Go to Adelaide's House song. And, Ooh, to, and it's I think everyone's surprised. It's finished, but to everyone's surprise, Wirt joins in and they sing together. Oh, uh, so and it's a good. nice moment. And it like ends and Wirt, Wirt like has this full throated laugh like he's just fucking relaxed as shit. And it's really interesting because it's we've we never see that ever again or ever before in this show. I think like everything else is just intensely upsetting, uh, right. especially from here on, because like we mentioned, this is kind of this isn't exact halfway through the show. But this feels like the halfway episode where in the middle of the episode, this the whole series pivots on this moment. Where mm-hmm. they right. where they arrive at Adelaide at the end of this episode, uh, yeah. Like like we finally are like getting confronted with the true reality of how scary this world is, uh, mm-hmm. rather than sort of skirting around it and having the boys neatly miss it. Like they get they get it full in the face in this one after after a bunch of you know silly shenanigans with frogs on a boat, uh, which we yeah. should we should talk about. We should get a, we should give a little a little props to these frog this frog boat. Yeah, oh, the um, frog boat is fun. 
<laughs> um, Wirt, uh, Wirt also, like, his happiness right now definitely serves to keep growing that divide between Beatrice and Wirt as characters, mm-hmm. where they their voices were initially very similar, and now um, her feelings about going to Adelaide and seeing him super happy just makes her, you know, yeah, with every laugh and, and chuckle and... Uh, she's just even more beside herself about this. Um, yeah, but that's all broken up because, uh, Hey, how did they get on the boat? Because Greg <laughs> threw their, police threw their coins away, but yeah, it's the <laughs> frog police. Uh, they're Wait, not the you know, fish police, not fish, police, police, not dog police, <laughs> frog police. Um, and uh they yeah they're they're blowing the whistle and they're old-timey style cops and yeah realizing that they did not pay uh for their fare they snuck aboard uh but also possibly also because the frog is naked george washington is not wearing any clothes compared to all these other frogs yeah and uh and craig is concerned about that and he wants to get him some socks yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh so what happens after that is this Keystone cops, Benny Hill, old style chase that's very whimsical, and they do all kinds of running across the boat. Uh, but then little, it, it ends little bits up of in shtick. a it ends up in a full like you know Vincent Adultman bit here, where mm-hmm. they do they do the classic like two men in a trench coat, except it's it's George Washington the frog on top as the head, and he's just standing on Wirt, and they're wearing the cloak, uh, so he looks like a very very tall frog man. Um, and then Greg is Greg just is a in a drum, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is just delightful. Uh, and there's a, there's a fun little cartoon logic bit where uh, his eyes sort of appear in the drum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that he's able to pop out just enough drum to to see his <laughs> eyes, little eye holes. Yeah, which is also pretty funny. Um, which is so ridiculous because that would ruin the drum. You wouldn't be able to play the drum if you cut holes in it. I don't know. I, no, I Andy, we just took a vote and you're out of the podcast. <laughs> well, I'll see you guys. <laughs> Finally, I can be free. So this new character, this frog band leader <laughs> or this frog, you know, player with a cape gets uh, moved over to the band uh, and uh, starts playing the song with the rest of this frog chorus and they accidentally bump another player into the ocean and somebody oh, slips the, on there's the some bassoonist. tadpoles. It's the bassoon player. It's very crucial. Uh, the bassoon <laughs> player slips on some tadpoles and then falls overboard. And suddenly yeah. everybody starts throwing a fucking riot. <laughs> that, that bassoon, that bassoon, bassoon frog like falls and rolls and interrupts like a, a, an improbable number of vignettes before he goes overboard. There's there's a lot of little moments that he accidentally like messes up on his way out. It, it just adds to like this, like we were like we've been saying before, this kind of like hijinks feel of this whole section. This has um, one of my favorite little um, like joke to emotional, like emotionally interesting moments. So so Wirt is apprehensive about picking up the mantle of the bassoonist for the band, <laughs> and it initially Beatrice is just being genuinely uh reassuring and yeah. then Bert's like no i'm actually really not very good at the bassoon they're gonna kick us off and then she switches like oh actually that would be good too so uh <laughs> you know <laughs> you know whether you're good or bad this really kind of works for beatrice <laughs> yeah yeah 
because but in she her... also is like I want to hear you play. Like she seems sincere. Like I yeah, she I'd was sincere. She was you. she was being a good friend, but then also when the opportunity arose to also fulfill her plan yeah. to get them kicked off the boat, she was like, "All right, well, let's go this way." <laughs> yeah, I went either way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because in her mind, if they get kicked off the boat, they won't have to go to Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Exactly, uh, and and I don't. That will... I... I don't want to uh, run over this particular joke here. I, we have to drop this clip in because Wirt's, Wirt's initial like thing about how he doesn't want to play bassoon is that he says, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the bassoon and clarinet are way different. I don't have the embouchure for bassoon. Which is just, <laughs> it's just an excuse to say the word embouchure. Because if you know oh, anything about Wirt's. Absolutely. Because it's, it's, well, all embouchure is the same. <laughs> well, and it's also like, it's like the kind of thing we'd give Austin Prissy Boy points for, right? Like, Right. Well, like, I don't you know, know just, if you would give know. that to me. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's just a simple I discussion. Think we're the ob- I think we're the ambusher prissy boys in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you may be right. You may be right. I played violin. Um, I, I played the violin. Unless you're doing it wrong. You don't put your mouth on that violin. Well, if you if you love it a lot, then you know. <laughs> You play with your teeth like Jimi Hendrix. Diddly, diddly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I also don't want to gloss over the fact that the entire boat throws a riot because the bassoonist isn't part of the band. <laughs> oh, the lamest instrument. Everyone knows yeah. frogs love bassoon. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Um, and as soon as, as soon as uh, where it starts playing through, you know, through the coat with again, the appearance of the frog, um, the frog somehow looks like, like the bassoon is being played by his, uh, his belly button. Yeah. I have to wonder too, if the bassoon was picked, because of how silly it is, or as the mm-hmm. only instrument that has the mouthpiece in the middle, like where Wirt actually is. <laughs> right. Oh, uh-huh. mm-hmm. that's interesting. Fair enough. Sure. Yeah, I uh, it's fair. It's fair either way. I just i I think it's 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 a it's a funny answer to a logistical issue. If they need him to play the instrument and his head is halfway up the yeah. this large body, sure. Yeah, the the bassoon, the bassoon, kind of. Uh, Checks both boxes. Yeah. Right. It's an super silly that. and in the right spot. Actually kind of interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, but the frog, but our, boy, our boy George Washington. <laughs> <laughs> our boy George Washington starts singing uh, and everyone is wowed by his voice. And uh, throughout the song, you know, if you listen to the lyrics, you learn that this is the this is the title song of the show. This is Over the Garden Wall. Um, yeah, it's a good which one. is a nice little song. It I, I haven't like sat and listened to the lyrics too closely to find out if, you know, it seems like a more generic sort of fun song. Uh, but it is a, it is a good song. And it's great to hear that frog sing it. That guy uh, whose name I can't remember, the the jazz singer. Um, he's really good. And uh, he's good enough that later in the episode, we see some other frogs giving him a frog record contract. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's... Yeah. <laughs> They uh they they write off George Washington at the end of this episode, uh or at least you think so. He comes back at the at the at the like you know ten seconds before credits. Yeah, <laughs> but it, but Greg Greg makes the choice to to let George Washington have his record contract, and there and there are <laughs> these sort of like slave frogs, uh rolling up tube socks up his all the way up <laughs> yeah, his long legs. Yeah, adorning him with socks and oils. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Greg has this prolonged look like. This is for the best kind of like sigh, and then he walks away and follows Wirt out of frame. It's it's a, and it's in a, a good cool moment. Cool moment for a character who's had absolutely no lines up to now. He put he leaves that all behind and comes and rejoins the cast. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, and the frog still doesn't talk. Let's be clear. The frog does not yeah. start talking now. It was just. No, it appears some sort of song. riverboat magic allowed him to sing. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, he's he's a real <laughs> Michigan J frog. He yeah. he only sings. Um, mm-hmm. And clearly, there's there's some kind of reference happening there. But uh, yeah. Okay, so they uh, the the boat reaches where it's going. All the frogs get off, and it appears that they were all just heading to this big pile of mud so that they can bury themselves <laughs> and hibernate in it. Uh, so that's so that's kind of fun. Um, yeah, I and... like the, I liked how quickly Greg took to the mud plan. <laughs> yeah, he yeah he dives right in. <laughs> uh, and and they make camp for the night. Uh, Beatrice manages to convince them to wait until the next day to go see Adelaide for their sort of just stalling. And well, it's her... also dark and spooky at night. It's scary yeah, and dark. That's true. But her and Wirt have this really nice moment after Greg has uh, gone to sleep where they're at the fire and, it, uh, you know, we sort of cut in in the middle of a conversation. Wirt has been telling her all about his like drama with this girl, Sarah. Oh, and that's how right. He tried to he like go confess. Sarah. Yeah, and it's it's really it's really a nice moment. Like it's 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 cool. She is she's like genuinely listening and uh has some like decent things to say about him and I don't know. I like it a lot. It's 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 really great and and not only is this one of my favorite uh just two character dynamics uh, probably in general, but I I I'm also a sucker for this sort of like semi-romantic friendship right like yeah and, it, and it'll be clear in a second that uh that after after work discovers he's been betrayed by by beatrice he immediately tries to fill the hole with you know the the next girl that gives him at any time of day like yeah. their, their friend there was a friendship but it was one with tension and nuance yeah absolutely mm-hmm. well um, it's also important to mention that so when when work is here Wirt's telling uh, Beatrice about his life around the campfire here. Um, he's explaining Sarah, this girl he's, he had a crush on that didn't go didn't go the way he wanted it to. And uh, yeah, because so of that fucking Jason Funderburger. Because of Jason nowhere. fucking Funderburger. Fuck uh, you, Jason her Funderburger. Her yeah. God. Yeah. And we still don't know much about these characters, but all we do know is that you know, Jason came in and, and Sarah is not uh, not to be with Wirt. Well, I think I think here's 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 the, the light shining through the crack. Sarah is an anything name. Jason Funderburger is uh, is a real life name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. This is this is not the blacksmith's kid. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Not Prince Jason Funderburger. Yeah, this guy, that Jason Funderburger is not of this world. Absolutely. Yeah. Exacto mundo. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Beatrice has them go to sleep, but then in the middle of the night, she gets up. She's been faking sleeping, and she flies off, uh, thinking she was being stealthy about it, but Wirt does notice, and him and Greg wake up, and they follow her. And where Beatrice has gone... Greg is... Greg is uh... <laughs> just soaked in mud. He's he's brown for the rest of the episode. Uh, <laughs> he's caked in river sludge. <laughs> but yeah, they've uh, Beatrice has gone to plead with Adelaide uh, for the lives of the boys, uh, and so we for we not unlike here. the woodsman pleads with the monster. Not unlike that. Is that is that your is that is that Rory's like like English one. <laughs> 
that's that's Rory's English 101 siren going off. Oh boy. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, Adelaide is Adelaide is a scary person and once again voiced by John Cleese, who I don't think there is a like in story metaphorical reason to use his voice again. I think it was just that they had him in the studio and why not use John Cleese as much as you can? Well, I think he can it's get fun. the same billing for if they both appeared technically as one episode. Uh these two like half half yeah. half length, you know, so they can kind of get him Oh, they only for, have to pay him half. They only have to pay no, him like I think they know, don't get they don't have episode. to pay him I think they don't have to pay him any more like big bumps for doing multiple characters. You know, I think there's like a there's like a threshold there in the union. I don't know exactly how that works because I'm not actually SAG after, but I do know that there is some some finagling a studio will do to get the most out of you, uh, which is why you'll often hear, you know, the same person doing multiple voices in animated shows. The the one thing that is worth not necessarily complaining about, but definitely discussing is Adelaide and what happens here. And yeah, uh, there's a discussion with Beatrice about the quid pro quo here. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's a very popular word these days. That's a 2019 takedown. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, the, there are these magic scissors that Adelaide has, and she's going to use them to, to set all of her family, Beatrice's family free, uh, if Beatrice can give her a child servant. And so that's what she wants. She wants to basically take a child. Beatrice like offers herself and... Uh, she says that that won't work. Um, she needs yeah. a, a child, and it's basically Boy, the egg that is point. on Beatrice's face. She's finally learned that human trafficking is wrong. There's yeah. something so interesting and and neat about like clarifying that it's a human servant, I guess, or child servant, where it's like yeah, usually kind of the sort of fairy tale, you know, mythology doesn't doesn't ask where the children go when the Pied Piper leads them into the cave. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and and this this show tells you. Yeah. There was a line. I so Beatrice says, "Servant, I thought you just wanted some yard work done." I hated that line. That was a and bad it, line. Yeah. yeah and she really sounds, she she it had like she didn't. Known. It sounds like she had no idea. And she always, of course, she knew. Yeah. Yeah. That's, she had to. Have that is a that. that's a Bob's Burgers line that I that I fucking hate. It sounds. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, well, it's a complete betrayal of the character for a single joke. Oh. Yeah. Uh huh. Right. It sounds like, I mean, I don't know if this is true, but I, I can, I could easily have seen this as like a studio note, like someone watches yeah. or like listens. It, to felt, this it feels like a studio note. Like, it feels way man, out of left field. We really don't like Beatrice if she really knew this was happening, and it's like, yeah, well, <laughs> you should have said something about that earlier in the earlier scripts, but like, no, 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 we need to hedge it a little bit and maybe give some plausible deniability, like she didn't know it was going to be as bad as it was, which of mm-hmm. course doesn't make sense with how she's been acting for the entire show. Yeah, and I don't know if it was supposed to be like a callback to the Pottsfield episode of like a couple hours yeah. of community service, you know, where they do yeah. yard work. But it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make any sense emotionally or anything like that. So that was weird. Um, but then it's basically after that point that Wirt and Greg walk in um, yep. and oh, they get man. immediately tied up. 
Yeah, because Adelaide has this whole like yarn motif going. She's doing Cat's Cradle at the beginning of the scene, and she just sort of pulls on a yarn string, and they are immediately like, "There's like a trap that's sprung." Yeah, if you guys, if you guys are are familiar with heroes, you might remember where like where where the character hero has has a house full of yarn because he's tracking all the timelines. I do remember this. Right. And she she yanks she yanks the yarn, and it and it uh, it uh, coils around Wharton Greg. And makes them little trapped boys. Yeah. Are you are you insinuating that Adelaide was like trying to track a serial killer with pins and and yarn? I'm insinuating that you might have a hard time picturing house full of yarn unless I do a little <laughs> bit more elaborating on how this house was full of yarn. All right. Uh, yeah. And then we have a we have a really sad moment where Wirt immediately realizes Beatrice has sold him up the river. Wirt looks so betrayed, and he says, "Beatrice, I thought we were friends." And it just it hits really hard, uh, unexpectedly. I think, like, I don't, I don't think that I actually thought, you know. Here, here's the wild thing: is we don't get really any much any more time with Adelaide because uh, Beatrice opens a window. Yeah, and for I all guess... this Adelaide hype, she is she's got about one minute of content. Yeah, yeah. There, and I guess she's like wicked witch wicked witch scenario where she's deathly allergic to a very common thing and is it what is it the moonlight is it the it's night the air cold night air it's the cold it's air the cold yeah. night air and which doesn't make a lot of sense but it was fun because the the for the minute we've seen of her she's always like oh this air i'm so cold it was it felt it felt paid off in as much I, as you can get a payoff after like a minute of time right yeah i mean they they made an attempt to pay it off, I guess. Yeah. Um, but then she melts and she's gone, and she Wirt did. and Greg have disappeared out of their their ropes, and they're off feeling betrayed. And Beatrice is left there uh, to feel ashamed. So if you're uh, if you're if you're a, if you're a fan of Doctor Joseph Campbell, this is kind of that Dark Knight of the Soul moment where uh, you know nothing, everything has got as wrong as it can go. A character has sort of symbolically died in Beatrice. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, and uh, it appears our characters can't possibly survive in in this uh, dark and dangerous world left to their own devices. Mm. I I would argue that it gets even lower in a couple episodes, but uh, this it is does, definitely but the, it's sort that, of like, surprising, right? This is the this is the yeah, this is a pivotal yeah. I am your father's sort of turning point moment. Um, yeah, this is when ha- this is when Han Solo leaves, but not when he comes back. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It's just like um, Star Wars if you think about it. It's mm-hmm. just like Star Wars. Like everyone's favorite movie Star Wars. Uh I I think that this is it's all very, it's all pretty quick because then immediately Wirt and Greg are gone. Like Adelaide dies and Beatrice is like, Wirt, Greg, and they uh, they have bolted because Wirt is not sticking around to hang out with Beatrice, who admittedly did fuck them over really bad. Yeah. Right. Uh and so then, uh, you know, they wander off. Wirt is clearly affected by this. He's not, he doesn't, he regrets like trusting anyone in this crazy He let world. somebody in and he got fucked. Yeah. It's bad. It's bad. He's teaching him, he's teaching him to close his heart. Uh, yeah. And then at this moment, the frog comes back and Greg has renamed him Benjamin Franklin. And Wirt does not even have one ounce of time to deal with Greg's antics this time. He just says, hurry on up, hurry on up, Greg. But it's a fun little foreshadowing, right? Uh Greg's friend, Greg's animal friend comes back changed. And yeah, uh, and uh, we'll see what happens. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But first. That'll be an A plus English 101. <laughs> Let's go to a sponsor. Hey, Rory. Mm, what is it? Can you tell us about our newest sponsor, the Jangling Man? The Jangling Man is a terrifying night creature who comes to your house with his with his pockets and jingling with coins, and uh, he like a sort of like a uh, like a sort of well, what the Jangling Man will do is he will he will hang by your window and just and just uh, shake his pockets and <laughs> menacingly. <laughs> That that part is not supposed to be that menacing because obviously if he was just if he just came into your house and killed you there'd be no time to pay the piper right so mm, yeah, so he yeah, starts yeah. he starts with a slightly more nuanced r- jingling of the pockets the jangling man the jangling man comes to your house and he rings his pockets and uh, he he and uh, he lets it be known that these pockets are not as full of coins as they could be. Mm-hmm. And expects you, mm-hmm. he expects four quarters from you. I was gonna uh, say I have a lot of pennies because the penny is useless. No, he doesn't. He doesn't want your useless pennies. Oh shit! Smelt it down. Smelt it down into copper ore and sell it to a miner because because <laughs> your penny is no good here. He wants four quarters. He wants. And he needs to go to the bus. He needs to go to the arcade. He's got a. He's got to play, play ski ball tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and the jing- and if you don't if you here's here's where it gets a here's where it gets a little crazy if you don't pay the jingling man then he comes into your house he creeps he creeps his well he he does his best impression of a creeping man because obviously he is a jingling so he's waking up the neighborhood as he jingles his pockets <laughs> and his funny belled his funny belled shoes uh, are <laughs> He comes into your house and he comes into your bedroom and he sits on your bed and he gets he gets nose to nose with you and he says jingle 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 coins for the bo- coins for coins for your best friend the jingling man and, and and you say oh jingling man i can't believe i didn't hear you outside here of course are your four quarters and he says no 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 that was the outside price <laughs> What is the inside price? One hundred nickels, he says, and then he drags, he drags his, he drags his yellowed fingernails across your face. Not, not in, uh, just to make it, you know, so that you know, you know he's going to take his nickels. And when you don't have a, nobody has a hundred nickels, right? No, it's impossible. So he starts taking the nickel out of everything in your house. He starts ripping out the co- the wiring. He starts he, he he smashes your TV and takes out the he takes out the circuits. And when you say and you call the police, you call the police and say there's a there's a jingling man in my house taking taking all the taking all the nickel. And the, and they say they say, "Well, you should have given him four quarters, ding dong." And they <laughs> hang up on you. They hang up on you. Out of our and jurisdiction. That's out of our jurisdiction. He scampers off into the night to take somebody else's take somebody else's nickel, or quarters, or quarters. Hopefully, they're quarters if they're smart. Mm, something weird is going on. Where are you going? Here we are. The two 
All right, everybody, we are back in purgatory and uh, we're, we're back on the beach now. And my margarita, I've I've developed a way to sort of control reality. I've I've thought hard enough and ah! I can kind of shape the things around me uh, to my will. Uh, uh, it's possible that we're in a dream of my own design. Uh, and so I have I alone have the power to control the scenario. Oh, so, oh, no, no. It turns out that your powers have a dreadful cost and that every single time you use them, you take 10 years off your life. Oh, uh -oh. no. Oh, oh, dear. I mean, you, you can't just I, get your way here in purgatory. Oh, because this that's really embarrassing because I use my powers to turn my margarita into a big cold pickle. <laughs> <laughs> a pickle. Well, what would better way to cool off on a hot day and, and also get something to eat is then eating a nice hot, pe a nice, uh, not, not hot pickle, a nice cold pickle. <laughs> and, uh, but now I'm going to die sooner. Um, so it doesn't feel totally it doesn't worth it that I, I mean, the margarita was probably going to do a similar job, you know, but the, the pickle's <laughs> a little saltier. So it, it gets some of that salt that I wanted, but couldn't get before, but you know, dribble <laughs> cost and all that. So, um, I guess while I sit around thinking about it, uh, let's talk about Over the Garden Wall, Episode 7, The Ringing of the Bell. <clears throat> and uh, here is a very long blurb, so apologies, but this is what we got. <laughs> Greg, Wirt, and Greg's frog encounter the woodsman, who warns them that the beast is ready to claim them. They run from the woodsman and come across a lonely cottage in which they come across... Really? Twice? Yeah, Come twice. across a young Zip, girl yeah. named Lorna who warns them to hide as her caregiver, Auntie Whispers, is coming. <laughs> Great sign. Auntie Whispers uses a bell that can control Lorna with its ringing. Auntie Whispers reminds Lorna that she, this is so poorly written. Um, reminds Lorna that she makes her, const her constantly work so that she won't become wicked. The brothers help Lorna to escape by helping her finish her housework early. Just before they leave, Greg and his frog accidentally awaken Auntie Whispers, who warns them to stay away from Lorna or they will be eaten. And then she suddenly transforms into a horrific demon. Lorna does. Uh, Greg shakes his frog, who has eaten Auntie Whispers' bell, and Wirt commands the demon to leave Lorna's body and never return. Lorna decides to stay with Auntie Whispers. After leaving Lorna and Auntie Whispers, Wirt begins to lose hope of ever leaving the unknown, which pleases the beast who is watching from afar. Mm, yes, this pleases the beast. <laughs> that pleases the beast. That pleases the beast. Mm, that pleases the beast. <laughs> Uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, it's really cool. It's a really yeah. neat little little folk tale episode. Yeah, this is the one. So I was saying well, I have a favorite one, which is the frogs, the silly frogs, and then yeah, one uh -huh. that I thought one that I think is the coolest slash best, and that's this one. Okay, this this episode has probably the best executed twist in any cartoon I've ever seen. It's uh, a good one. I of like an eleven minute show. Yeah, yeah. and. I mean, we can just so, so that we can discuss it, right? Like, just in case this wasn't clear from the blurb, we're terrified the whole episode of this anti whispers figure who we all talk about in detail. But she shows up and it's really scary. And we think that Lorna is this like trapped girl who's being mind controlled. And it turns out that most things that they've said up until this point in the episode can be taken in two different ways. There's some real double entendre mm -hmm. happening. And we learn right. that Lorna is, in fact, the scary one. And she's been eating people because she's possessed by a demon. And she's really scary. And I, I love everything about it. I did not see it coming. And I've watched this no. show before. I forgot about this episode. And huh. it still caught me off guard. 
Yeah, and it, it, what's what's cool is that most of the shows that have done some approximation of this have telegraphed the twist like way early. Like they give extra camera shots on the quote innocent person, or they do a yeah. weird like look, or they do, you know they make some kind of furtive movement or well, kind of how something they've been doing that with would... Beatrice since the beginning of the show, right? Yeah, you know, telegraphing her betrayal a little bit, right? Like they linger yeah. on Beatrice a little bit. That's why this one is so great because they don't do it. Right, right. Yeah, it's really cool. And then, it, yeah, it all makes, it's that moment, too, where it's well, like, oh, the people, she eats the people. Yeah, it, it's it's not a twist you couldn't see coming, but it does such a good job of being kind of classic fairy tale structure that you kind of let your guard down. Yeah. Because yeah, there's no way that Auntie Whispers is not, like, fucking grotesque and horrible, yeah, she comes right? in, in and the first mind. thing she does is eat a turtle. So it's like yeah. she, she does a baby <laughs> turtle, nonetheless. Like, she... She's yeah. not she's not beyond reproach. Mm-hmm. No. And let's be clear, Auntie Whispers, she's like uh she's like the witch or one of the spirits from Spirited Away. She's There's like a very her, Miyazaki vibe from her. Yeah. yeah. Her proportions are all wrong. Her head is gigantic. She's got this hunched body that's mostly hidden by a cloak, and the cloak is like crusted with mud at the bottom, and she's got the like four teeth and they're Rotten. all black. Yeah, Ugh. rotten teeth. Oh, I didn't take them as rotten teeth. I took them as kind of like just soaked in turtle. Oh, covered in they're <laughs> covered, in, covered turtle. in black turtle. Because she loves yeah. the stank turtles, barrels of them. Uh, that's entirely possible, Rory. I didn't think about it, that. Yeah, yeah. You're right. uh, but it's 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 so over the top grotesque, you know, of of these tasks, of these Herculean tasks that are demanded of Lorna. She has mm-hmm. to constantly sort the bones. <laughs> the turtles sort the bones of people who have been eaten in this house yeah yeah which is, which is another yeah. turtles, thing be they, they turtles or, or humans and mm-hmm. they yeah this is the show has kind of turned our own judgment of appearance against us you yes. know and it's like oh I bet you feel like a fucking jackass for judging this old woman thinking she was evil uh just because she you know looked like a just horrible turtles. She eats turtles and is objectively <laughs> really unsettling yeah but and it's and is voiced by Tim Curry. Yeah. <laughs> so awful. It's just it's it the 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 voice delivery is like I mean they're both British. Lorna and Auntie Whispers uh are are British, but she's got this just like old person slurring of her words and like a deeper voice. I don't know. There's something unsettling about the way she talks even that is mm-hmm. really cool. It's really yeah. cool when you when you pair it with like her her appearance. And then later, later, like they're running from her and she screams no, except she doesn't scream no. She goes, no, <laughs> like, it, yeah. like everything about her is weird. Uh. Yeah. Now, I'm 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 also intrigued by this episode in concept being paired right next to having the Adelaide reveal and death of Adelaide. Yeah. Um, and Adelaide was being built up this whole show, and then we get her for about 30 seconds, and then we get a new evil witch. Who is next way scarier. Episode, who's but way who... scarier. Who gets more time. Uh, and it's just, it's interesting to think about, if I'm thinking about the writers, like, was this a scrapped possible plot Or aired idea? out of order. Like, so we talked about the Miyazaki thing, and and the, the other obvious parallel is uh, specifically Spirited Away, obviously. Yeah. Um, but when, uh, when Sen goes to, to, uh, to the other witch, uh, who right. turns out to be the good witch, 
Yeah, you know, exactly. that's a, that that happens here too. We free, it right, turns out her that Auntie Whispers is the good witch, and mm-hmm. um, it's odd given that I don't think we're going to see Adelaide again this show. No. Yeah, it's really weird to jump to the very end when everything is sort of resolved. Uh, she makes mention like, "Hey, and watch out for my sister Adelaide. She's not to be trusted, and she lives in the pasture." And Wirt and, and Greg make no real mention of it, but they already encountered Adelaide last episode, and she's dead. Like, yeah, it they seems like several plot dead. elements were moved out of order in these two episodes. You know, it feels out of yeah. order. Mm-hmm. Except for the fact that at the end of this one. You know, like this whole episode is they're they're not with Beatrice, right? So like the right. very premise yeah. of of that has to happen after the Adelaide business. But it feels like parts of it were supposed to be before. It, it does. It feels like it got moved strategically because here's the thing: these plot elements that we're bringing up are obvious uh, over oh, things that have been overlooked or or oversighted. Uh, here's where it feels like it was moved to make more sense: is that uh, at the start of the episode. Greg is commenting how, you know, we shouldn't go into the spooky house mm-hmm. and uh, we don't have that second voice of reason to keep Wirt from wanting to seek cover there. And then also his him feeling spurned and rejected from Beatrice leads him straight into the arms of Lorna. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. And he uh, is just in the pouring rain in that sort yeah. of dark night of the soul. Em- exactly. Mode. That's exactly what this episode is. And um and emotionally, it makes a lot of sense to be here. Although, like we like like Austin mentioned, plot wise, it's a little funky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's let's talk about Lorna. She's really interesting to me. I think she's a really cool. I like uh, Lorna. She's fun. You yeah. root for her. I think. I think. I think that's part of it. Is even before you kind of get these, you kind of find out how how over the top her uh, her chores are. Uh, you like her. You and well, yeah. she seems like she's got. She's she's just got a parent who's like too over like too overly obsessed with making her do work. And yeah, you can, Lorna. I, I think you can relate to that whether you were that kid or you knew that you had a friend who mm-hmm. just yeah. We all had a friend obs- whose mom had a magic bell, right? You know, well, those sort of made them do mind. <laughs> wouldn't let him go. Out, wouldn't let him come out to play. Yeah. What What's nice about Lorna too is that she's already is capable of rebelling. She doesn't right. need she doesn't need the boys to sort of force her to do good or to to shake off her shackles in any way because uh, she's already lies about the boys like she doesn't give them up right away. And yeah, um, and she makes mention at some point about like maybe intimating that, that she has tried to escape before. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so this is this is an it's interesting. Uh, By the end, it's a little bit unclear uh what lorna what what quote unquote lorna and what quote unquote the the uh the monster how yeah. how much they overlap in personality and knowledge mm-hmm. uh-huh. yeah and i think that's a strength instead of a weakness i think yeah, that's kind of a cool yeah they don't really reveal how much or not at all she was complicit in the sort of plan to eat the boys <laughs> or if she even is aware that she that's what i'm saying yeah yeah yeah, I yeah. think that's interesting. I I also we cannot skip over the beginning of this episode where they so they make their way into this cottage and they find this barrel full of turtles. Yes. Uh, and they haven't seen Lorna yet. It's just the two of them. <laughs> they start a fire and uh one of my top maybe top two or three favorite lines of the whole show. We're rich. What? 
Look, it's full of black turtles. We're turtle rich. <laughs> Auntie. Auntie, I've finished sorting. <gasps> Who are you? We're burglars! No, 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 we're not. We're not. We, we just needed to get out of the rain, and, and we, we thought this place was abandoned, so... So we came here to burgle your turts. No, it's, it's not true. It is true! <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I feel like I, burgle your turts in some way, just hearing that changed my life in some weird <laughs> butterfly effect way that just rippled outward for years and eons beyond it, but... Oh, man. It was I have a, a moment good like that in the next episode. Um, but I, uh, I think it's, I think it's funny because Greg, Greg is in this, in this episode, still living in, in his like super innocent zone where he just finds glee in their, in like self-sabotaging because he doesn't really either believe or grasp that there are serious consequences coming their way. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's kind of a fun, it's a fun energy where he's, well, he's just, like, he's like that new movie, the Joker, cause he's an agent of chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's just like that movie, The Joker, with uh, it's that guy who with, plays the Joker, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix. I couldn't remember his name because I just think of him as the Joker now because his transformation was so complete. Um, I also like that Greg has named the frog Doctor Cucumber in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably might be my favorite frog name is Doctor Cucumber. I think that's it's very, very good. It's a very good one. So Lorna is clearly she's she's being stuck in this like horrible mind control loop of like this Kafka-esque never-ending n- meaningless chore bullshit that her uh, that her auntie is putting her through. Um and Wirt suggests that maybe like like we find out maybe she's Uh-oh. she's ill, she's Andy coughing a lot. Andy said the English 101 word, he gets a free, <laughs> he gets an A+ plus for the whole year. Cuz he said Kafka-esque and now and then he gets an A's. He gets A's all year long. <laughs> yummy, yummy A's. A's for apple, and I love apples. Nom, 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 I'm nom, sorry. Nom. All your anime demerits are still going to show up in your transcript. So, <laughs> uh. hey, you all talked about Miyazaki today. Uh, I so to which you the... lobbied hard to be removed <laughs> from the demerit system. So I did. You I go... did. But you know, in light of the fact that you guys didn't really agree, uh. You know, yeah, and we would have been we would have been more judicious had the system, you know, been <laughs> needing to reflect that. All right, well, so Lorna's Lorna's coughing a lot, and we learned that she has like an illness. Quote unquote. is that what Kafka esque means? Yeah, that's because you just <laughs> cough a lot. <laughs> Absolutely, okay. thank you for that. Uh, but Wirt suggests she sees a doctor, and at this point, she says a really brilliant line for writing. Uh, <laughs> from the, from her. Uh, from a writing perspective, uh, she I know says, I just liked how poorly written that line was. <laughs> I <know. laughs> yeah. I, I'll own that. I'll own that. It was a really good w- line for writing. It's a good line um, for writing. Auntie does not allow visitors here. She believes outsiders will lead me to become wicked. And on first listen, that sounds like yeah, people from outside are gonna you know they're gonna they're gonna make her. you yeah they're gonna footloose her they're gonna footloose her out they'll they'll make her realize that her situation is ridiculous and they'll try and get set her free but no what she really means is that outsiders coming in will lead her to become wicked as in turn into a demon and eat the outsiders which is just like a really i don't know i thought that was really cool uh knowing what was coming you know partway through this episode i realized what was going on um because i remembered the episode but like i think it was really a really fucking smart way to write some of this dialogue that's all 
So the thing, the the critique I have this episode is um, at the very end, the monster is banished when uh, when Greg shakes the bell or Wirt shakes the bell and says, you know, be gone, monster. And that was kind of all it took. Right. And um, and then Auntie Whisper starts crying because now Lorna can leave. And I would have liked to see the reason she cried be because she didn't ever think to do that because that's uh-huh. she's had that's her bell it's her magic bell that controls yeah. her magic demon daughter or demon yeah. niece instead we're left with this uncomfortable thought that maybe she knew that she could do that all along but was so lonely and desperate to keep Lorna around that she allowed Lorna then, to eat and strangers. then Lorna stays which is a very which is a very uh gone girl and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Lorna chooses to stay. Chooses to stay, and 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 I don't know. It it felt it didn't taste good. I'll yeah, tell you that. I'll I agree. That. So that's why I wanted her to say. That's why I wanted her to say. I can't believe I never thought to do that because that would yep. give a little bit of credibility to yeah, or some other reason like she could never speak those words or something. You know, like uh, yeah, some sure. some magic way that she's forbidden to do it herself or sure. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, it was some some other. But again, with the the abbreviated nature of the show, you know, again, some of these things have to, some of these corners have to get cut, and I think this you do. But this one, this one wound up feeling a little bit uh, uh, patriarchal mm-hmm. with the way the, oh. with the way they cut, the way they cut the you know they cut the gingerbread man. No, I get you, and I think that uh, it's okay to leave some unanswered questions. Like I don't need an answer. To how they're not related or related, because she says right. she's not really her auntie. I don't mm-hmm. care how they've gotten connected or what that is. Like I'm okay having. Oh, uh, you do if it's question. like the Master and the Apprentice. <laughs> 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 yeah, okay, you're not. You're not wrong. Sure. There, are, there are particular sure. answers to that unanswered question that right. would make. But in this my scenario, mind. but I think that I don't care as much about that. I care a lot about why she didn't use the bell like that or why exactly, you know, like exactly. why she chooses to stay, why no one's saying anything about it. Like that's a weird unanswered question that I feel like is mm-hmm. a weakness in the writing rather than just trying to leave something ambiguous. Um, mm-hmm. Right. But I still really like the episode. Have we mentioned how absurdly upsetting that Lorna looks when she turns into a demon? It's terrible. They yeah. do. They do full on like horror movie. Like she like, I don't know, kind of flickers into Scr- view. It's a as scream she, like, mask sort of look. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that, that wraps up the stuff with, with the people in the cottage. And we have a little coda at the end of the episode where we see the hunter, the hunter, the woodsman, the woods, see the woodsman, woodcutter. the woodcutter and the beast. And it's a cool little line. It's a cool line. And they're having this really heated argument. Don't you care about keeping the lantern lit? Don't you care about your daughter's soul? One cannot trade the souls of children as if they were tokens. Yeah, it's so cool. Because for yeah, one, we've it. seen the souls of children traded exactly like tokens so many times this show. Yep. And the woods, and uh, and also like why he is torn between you know between in the position he's in. He's like you right. can't. Yeah, it's it's so good. Yeah, he wants his mm-hmm. daughter back, but he's not gonna just sacrifice these sa- other two kids not like yeah, auntie who, whispers or Lauren, not like, like beatrice. Or, or beatrice yeah or beatrice yeah. yeah yeah that whole the whole thing yeah it's really nice to see a contrast and to see the voice of reason coming from the woodsman uh yeah who before has kind of been the raving lunatic on the sidewalk <laughs> this whole show 
Um, and then to see him kind of come in and, and, and take everybody else down a peg morally, you know, yeah, uh, is really nice. Uh, and then the beast has this sort of chilling final line where he says, no, there is only me. There is only my way. There is only the forest and there is only surrender. And, uh, he's been really looking forward to Wirt and all of Wirt's depression basically. And, and all of Wirt's sadness and and him being at a low point seems to fuel the beast somehow and so the beast looking at you know there's only the forest and only surrender it's sort of implied in this way or suggested that you know somehow he's like a personification of of sadness and grief yeah, it's and frustration like- and being lost they me- yeah, it's the lost element, I think, because they mention, you know, he he steals the souls of, of lost children lost in the woods. Right. And mm-hmm. turns them into Adelwood trees. And it's not just it's not enough that Wirt and Greg are lost. Wirt needs to be like mentally lost, like fully just completely uh, tipped upside down, unsure of what the hell to do and like giving up, yeah. you know, like that's that's yeah. when he needs to take him. And it's right. spooky. It's spooky. Yeah. Every episode from here on this out is going to have like a spooky end. Is spooky. All right, we've got our our we've got we've got our pan of jingling for quarters uh, because it is time for it's time for Saturday morning Tuesdays to get our to get our whistles wet with money. And uh, in you know how Austin, you wet things with money. And my friend Austin's gonna be the one to tell us about to tell us about a friend this week who's got a little bit of money for us. Isn't that right, Austin? Yeah, it's super right. I'm I'm ready to go. <laughs> All right. So could you tell everybody this week about Spider Brian? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Spider Brian is a little monster <laughs> that lives in the corner of. The YMCA. Um, <laughs> so we are here to pitch, uh, you know, promote his Indiegogo uh, <laughs> account, his his campaign uh, to raise funds to start a small business. And that small business is that he wants <laughs> to uh, be the. Oh, fuck. I'm going to stop you right there, Austin. <laughs> Now, Indiegogo, you'd find that on the World Wide Web, wouldn't you? Yes. Sorry, I just wanted to say web because I felt like we'd sort of wandered away from being a spider. I thought we could, could spoon feed you a little bit of, <laughs> a little bit of help because yeah. it sounds mm-hmm. like It sounds like not unlike a spider in a bathtub. You're kind of drowning out here a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like a spider in the YMCA pool. Um, yeah, but so yeah, he's just trying to he's trying to start a small business of selling photos of people that he's taken. Um, uh, wait a minute, photos of people that he's taken, or yeah, photos he just, that he's taken of people? Well, there's whichever happens he's, first. He's, he's, <laughs> you know, that's that's the wording that he's used, and I'm just trying to. I'm just reading the I'm reading the wording. exact copy I've been given. Right. He's trying to sell photos. It says photos of people that he's taken. And whatever that means, uh, if you can go ahead and throw some cash on Spider Brian's uh, Indiegogo page, 
That'd be really great. Uh, and you could support and help a spider who lives in the YMCA start a small business. Selling God the photos you don't that end he's up taken. in one of his photos. Well, thank you, Austin, and thank you, Spider Brian. hot tub it is so nice in here you guys boy it's really i hate how mercurial this theme is it's too hot in the hot tub no it's a perfect (laughs) hot tub it's not too hot in the hot tub hey uh it's a good (laughs) snl reference andy has Um, beaten andy has beaten purgatory by enjoying a tepid hot tub (laughs) (laughs) it's really it's a really nice tepid hot tub uh and everything is perfect except their uh, instead of the air jets that are down there by your parts, uh, it's uh, jets that shoot bees. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh the bees. bee jet. Yeah. <laughs> right by they... where I where like to park my bottom and test test how I feel about, <laughs> how I feel about it. Yeah. Yeah, and the it's bees, just the water bees are real. Hornets. They're really interested in uh, in all what you got going on down underneath there, and uh, and they nice. make themselves known because um, we're still in purgatory. Bees. <laughs> nasty hot tub, bees. but there's yeah. bees. That's in case you forgot the the theme we were doing. It's hot tub, but there's bees. Um, it's a hot tub, but there's bees. <laughs> send that to SNL. Uh, Over the garden wall, episode eight is called "Babes in the Wood." The brothers and Greg's frog sail down a lake where they hear the beasts singing, and Greg remains hopeful while Wirt has given up. They reach land and sleep under a tree for the night. Greg has a dream of an angelic cloud city where he is welcomed by its residents. The festivities are cut short when the north wind is released and starts destroying the city, but Greg manages to defeat it. The queen of the clouds appears to Greg, allowing him one wish as a reward. He wishes to find his way home, but the queen informs him he cannot return home with Wirt, as the beast has already claimed Wirt, who is now covered in Edelwood branches. Greg instead wishes to take Wirt's place and leaves with the beast. Wirt awakens and chases after them, but falls through ice and nearly drowns before being saved by a fishing net. Oh, boy, things are ramping up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess they are, but most of this episode is abject nonsense. Uh-huh. It's the Greg episode where the, it's, yeah. it's, it is lunacy from it is lunacy from minute one to minute nine. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And I can honestly say I don't like it. I don't oh, yeah. like this. It's one. a hard one. It's a hard one. I like what happens. One. I like what happens at the beginning and at the end of the episode. But every time, every moment that we spend in Cloud City after the part where they have the welcoming committees, which is comedy gold, is <laughs> just—I don't know. Just it's much. like if it's... I really wanted to go back and watch like early early twentieth century Looney Tunes or Mickey Mouse, I would go do that. But we've learned a lot about what's interesting well, since well, then, and I don't think it's is... interesting anymore. Is the exact opposite of the rest of Over the Garden Wall, kind of where yeah, it has it has really clear emotional beats, and they just don't cover enough time. Mm-hmm. 
and we wind up kind of dragging our feet through the through the through the clouds. Yeah, I mean, I would say that I would say so. We didn't specifically explain this, but yeah. So whenever when Greg falls asleep in this tree, he beseeches the stars for guidance, uh, and then the animation style shifts, and it becomes very uh, early era animation. Um, and it's really, it's a clear homage to all of these old styles and it's kind of impressive in, in how they're kind of trying to recreate this old style. And it's clear that this is through Greg's point of view, which is part of the, the justification for the style shift is that Greg is a child and so he's seeing things differently. And so the way he sees things, and especially through this dream in this dream world in this, in the cloud cities is, is like a cartoon from the 1930s. Yeah, he so sees the world as, with Steamboat Willie glasses. <laughs> right. As the show gets weirder, and as they are sort of, I think, looking to uh, maybe not justify their 10-episode arc, but certainly uh, milk it, um, what I would say, the first episodes are kind of mercurial. Uh, the second five start to be really structure-heavy in the sort of like Campbellian structure. Yeah. So as we talked, we've been talking about in the, in the first two, right? So mm-hmm. in episode, episode five was this low point and six was this dark night of the soul. And seven here is the meeting of the goddess. This is a point where, um, all hope seems to be lost. And, uh, from, from between, from literally between the clouds comes a glimmer of hope. Yeah. And, um, sure. And that's kind of what this episode offers is it is a uh, a lot of silliness and a little bit of general Campbell structure, general hero's journey arc. I guess, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's definitely kind of the it's definitely the odd man out. It's well, it's an episode that I, I, I want to give better credit to, but I, it's for over the garden wall, it's. It's a little bit lackluster. Yeah. I, there, there, There is also a trend with a lot of serialized animated shows that, uh, and this is not just to that degree, but also other, other shows as well and other narratives, but where just before the plot-heavy finale, there is a catch-your-breath episode that mm-hmm. happens that you kind of stop and take stock of everything and maybe throw some jokes around and have this have doesn't feel weird... like that it doesn't feel like you're catching your breath not like the frog episode not like the um the pumpkin episode this is this is so frenetic that it doesn't feel it doesn't feel uh like like um like a respite right and and that's maybe why it's not quite as successful um, sure, to some fair folks enough, fair and enough, fair and enough. I think an intention, you know, I mean, you look at, you know, I think, I think it's important to have these types of episodes in a, in a, in a show order, um, so that you don't, a show just doesn't rush all the way through in the second half of its season into a finale and then it's over and it's just, you know, it's like, oh shit, all right, it's done. Um, the way Avatar had their Ember oh, Island episode also brings up Avatar. before. Yeah, mm-hmm. the way the check way your, they, check they your did bingo their... cards, everybody. <laughs> but it, I think it's worth bringing up because <laughs> just yeah, getting the, our time. The Ember Island Players episode of, of Avatar just before the big four part heavier five part finale. That's the play, um, right? Yeah, yeah, it's the play, and everybody kind of has fun, and and everyone's silly, and 
uh, they kind of make fun of themselves and and just yeah. shake things but up then, a little bit. Sort of in the liner notes of that episode, we finally get like a little bit of progress on on Aang and Katara, mm-hmm. sort of like right. you know their their romance, like. Like there's a teeny bit of story that still pushes forward in the fun episode. And they and this, clarify this the stakes too. of the world so that when the so that the finale doesn't get to kind of mm-hmm. um, uh, piss it away, right? Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, think, it, it so feels th- like a joke. It's really well done. That's the episode where they're like, "Yeah, did we kill a guy?" Yeah, <laughs> that's like a joke. <laughs> right. But that's right. to be clear that when you abandon a man on the top of a mountain, <laughs> chained chained to the ground, he's gonna fucking die. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so so that's an example of really like a good example of this type of episode. Uh and you have other shows that do something like this but are less successful because um in, in at, at its worst it can feel like a digression from what was a really exciting plot and when you're like, "Oh my god, we only have 3 episodes left and they're wasting it on this?" Like we could have gotten more exciting content. Yeah, in and this episode, Greg goes to Cloud City, and we don't even see Lando or Lobot. Like, uh, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's it's, One of it's cool when Austin brings up Avatar, but don't you dare go to Star. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> One of us had to make a Lando joke. I'm As sorry. I sadly I, I... scratch out all of my Lando jokes I had just before <laughs> you got to him. <laughs> oh man. Uh, wh- what I would say, what I would say, yeah, this episode has, uh, maybe, maybe it's less successful in, in that context to me because it doesn't feel interwoven with the slight reminder of the plot or any of that. It feels very much like Greg g- goes away. It's the and Greg has episode. Like a, it has a six minute acid trip in the clouds. Yeah. And then at the end, it's like, oh, and plot. Right? Yeah. And like that six minute and acid it, trip adds nothing for me. It fails mm-hmm. to capture what's fun about Greg, which is his lunacy tethered to reality. Yeah. It, you know, because Greg's so along for the trip that it's there's no real joke there. Well, yeah, when no, the, Greg's the a clouds funny person are like, in a funny The clouds world. are like, here's a scary man. And Greg's like, of course there is, because that's yeah. the world. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm in the clouds and there's a cloud queen. Yeah, of course there is. Like that's it's funny once, but it's not funny the 10 times they sort of like kind of re- try to try to cycle that joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They just sort of ring the same bell for a long time. And exactly. Uh, and it's not bad. I will say this. It's not bad. The animation is fun. We're jumping on it because it's the dumpable episode. It is. It is. But what I. I guess I guess the hard part for me is that I think this episode could have afforded to be more grotesque uh, because this show is this show has been really creepy and atmospheric and kind of bizarre. I mean, we just talked about an episode with the horrible anti whispers. I think it could have been really cool if Cloud City was like really nice, really nice. And then what the fuck is happening over there? Oh, it's still really fun. You know, like Mm -hmm. they don't go for that. They go for a really milk toast, like everything is fanciful vibe. And that doesn't change for the entire Well, what would have been really cool if I were if I were to English 101 rewrites this episode is is the fact is is (laughs) this this absolute gonzo world. Um. Is a place where Greg could thrive in a way that I think almost nobody else could. Mm. Mm-hmm. And and it would have been cool to see him sort of take mastery of this world. Yeah, become the Cloud King. 
Become the right. Cloud King, yeah. To mm-hmm. just to, to destroy the North Wind. Well, and the whole <laughs> the whole setup of the episode is is him asking to become the leader of the group because before they go to sleep at the at the foot of this tree, Wirt has been like Look, do you even know why we got lost in the first place? It's cause you were goofing around getting into trouble like you always do. Really? It was all my fault? Yeah, so it's not my job to get us home, okay? I'm done. Are you saying I should be the leader? I don't care what you do. And so he's pissed, and then Greg or, or Greg asks the stars for guidance to, to become the leader. And we don't really see that mirrored very well. No. Uh, no. By that sequence. If, if things had a better, like, if even old man Northwind, or I don't know whether he resembled wert or or if there were some better mirroring of of things that he's processing um to feel like he's actually i don't know getting some character growth out of this (laughs) yeah uh you know that would have been nice but instead what we do get is yeah he arrives in this fancy town and there's a welcoming welcoming committee a very uh wizard of oz style lollipop guild oh yeah um scenario with with cute little kid singers we could we should play a clip. Yeah. We're the Cloud City Reception Committee, and we are here to welcome thee. Yay! Oh, wow, neat. And we're the Cloud City Auxiliary Reception Committee, and we are also here to welcome thee. Thank you. We're the hippopotamus, giraffe, and monkey, and we are committee number three. Okay, are there more? And we cut to this fucking intensely sad dog being rained on by a tiny cloud with dramatic piano music. It's such a visual joke. It's really hard to say how funny this ends up being. (laughs) (laughs) But we we cut back immediately, and Greg says... Well, that's enough. <laughs> and I remember that just breaking me the Destroyed first time I watched me. this show. Yeah. Just, uh-huh. Oh my god, it's so it's so good. It's such a like I don't know. I feel like that's the kind of humor the whole sequence should have had. Uh-huh. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to like t- miss talking about this other aspect of Greg that I find interesting though, which is that in the previous episode with Lorna and Anti Whispers, it started for me, and then it continues in this one. Greg seems to be buying in more to the moment to moment drama and sort of sensing that things are changing. So Um, what's so cool about Greg and if you compare him to these sort of other chaotic agents uh, mm -hmm. is that he gives a shit. Yeah. And and he doesn't know how to interface with the world because he's he is he's absolute nonsense at every turn. But he's he's such a Deadpool. Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but no, he's like like when Wirt when Wirt is like we don't need Beatrice. I've got a plan. Greg, instead of being like cool, I have a funny frog and he's gonna say some stupid shit. Greg is like nice, nice, okay. So what is that plan? Do we know what the plan is? And I feel like that's the first time in this entire show that Greg like takes interest in what's really at stake, and it sure, definitely yeah. continues this episode for sure. You know, Greg is really taking the leadership role seriously. In the in the episode previous, Greg says, you know, like something to the tune of it's not it's not quite this blatant, but um, but Greg, what was something that the the the, the, the sort of like uh, you know nonsense machine sometimes has is also a a clarity, and mm-hmm. um, it's mm-hmm. raining, and Greg is like, uh, well, as long as we don't go hide in that spooky house, 
And then <laughs> Ward is like, let's go ahead and that, let's go to that house. And Gray's like, well, that's the way it goes. Them's the break sometimes. <laughs> ain't that just or, the way? Ain't just the way. Ain't just that's just the way. That's exactly the line. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I just I like that. Uh, it's only one episode before, but I do like there's an attention to Greg's arc in mm-hmm. just in like in his writing that like we're seeing him start to like actually be present rather than living in his own uh-huh. world because he senses that Wirt is failing. Yeah. By the end of this, Greg will have also realized his part in their in their demise. Yes. The, these two these two broken boys, these two damaged toy soldiers will mm-hmm. have both had a, had a reckoning. Yeah. And I, I do like that angle. So in as much as this episode adds to that, I appreciate it. So so the the clouds do part and I guess uh, the north wind gets loose and does there's a bunch of cartoon nonsense and <laughs> and again it's it's fun to see them recreate these old gags of uh these old visual gags in in their action sequences and you know it's really it is fun to just kind of have a sort of a mild chuckle a sensible chuckle I mean I feel like it was fun for the animators but I need need it to be fun for me too Mm-hmm. And sure. I didn't think that it was. That's just me. But I didn't think it was fun for me. You know, what's funny is maybe an unexpected result of this sequence, though, is making you look at like that was cartoons. This is now the rest of this show is what cartoons are now. Sure. And, and you can think about how far it's come as a medium and appreciate the rest of the show when you're just like any any like person who didn't understand over the garden wall if they saw just that sequence be like all right it's more kid nonsense cartoons again yeah um or like what my you know 70 year old father thinks what cartoons are and just (laughs) that's it and just nonsense and uh it does add a fun bit of perspective to how the medium has evolved and how good the show is uh in general and especially with like how dark and serious it gets after the sequence immediately after the sequence, because Greg makes this receives his reward from the sky queen and uh, from uh, queen Skyla. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, pick your queen Uh, Skyla. There's two shows with one. Yeah. Uh, And she gives him the reward of that. He can leave and, but she can't take Wirt. So yeah. suddenly Greg is like, hold on, hold on. This is weird and different. And <laughs> apparently, apparently word has already been claimed by the beast. And by, by the, the unknown, by the beast, he's, he's too yeah. far. He's too mm-hmm. depressed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, Greg does a little Romeo and Juliet action. And says, yeah. Nah, so he, the- he knows what he wants to do and he whispers into the queen's ear. And so we don't know what exactly he's said to her, but then it, it cuts back out and the heartbreaking moment here uh, where suddenly Greg has walked off with the beast and yeah. Wirt is left to see him leave and see his brother disappear, uh, possibly to die or go away. Yeah, we have the impression immediately prior that Wirt is kind of being sort of, you know, sucked down into the tree, which I mentioned because the big other lesson says he realizes Immediately once the trade has been exchanged, once the trade has happened, that like shit's not right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he starts to wake really, up, and Greg is missing. And it's a really, uh, a really sad chase, or not chase, but like sequence of him running. He runs to the woods to find Greg, but we get a we get our glimmer of hope, right? 
Yep. He um he chases he chases uh through the woods to open to he, he he can't believe he's lost Greg. He falls into a lake. Uh he's Oof. he's scooped up by some sort of uh fishing net. And, yeah, it's a uh, fisherman that is a fish. What a fun gag. Why and is then, that fish fishing? How nonsensical. Who should who <laughs> should be who should be with these fishermen but our 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 uh our friend Beatrice, who has come back for the boys, who has really done a done us done us a solid done a solid for her boys yeah a little too late but yeah she catches she gets wurt she saves wurt and they're both like she's like where's greg and wurt is also like uh oh, greg and the camera just sort of pans back as they're both fucking upset and wurt is like hypothermic because he fell into a frozen lake and we just go credits like yeah it's a, it's a pretty it's a pretty effective ending to an episode that I don't like. Yeah. Uh I like the last minute and a half is gold. I love it. Yeah, it's like Han Solo's been trapped in carbonite at Cloud City huh. and uh we're left with Luke missing a hand uh you know with Leia trying to figure <laughs> out what to do. <laughs> yeah, your Star Wars references are always on point Austin. Thank you. Uh, so everybody, we, we've been watching Over the Garden Wall for a couple weeks and it's been pretty sweet and, um, I hope you've enjoyed it because we've got one more. We do. We have one more. Uh, yeah, we're doing, we're doing some real in-depth. We got a lot of those sirens this week. We, we went straight to English 101 several times. Um, yeah. And we got an A every time. and figurative. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, we've only got one week left. It's the last two episodes. If you're watching along, go ahead and watch those last two. Uh, they're a real trip. I have a lot of fun with those. Um, I don't know. Do we have any other? What the fuck do we even do in these wrap-ups anymore? I had a, I had a good time this week. Yeah, Except for fun. all those times that you guys made me mad. Yeah, Make, I think uh, we covered pretty much everything interesting about the episodes during our discussion. I think we've, <laughs> we're so good at talking about stuff that we've covered it all already. And that's that's it. I guess that's another side effect of purgatory is that sometimes we have nothing to say and our, our podcast suffers. We could start repeating ourselves. Uh, I <laughs> so like the first start episode. repeating ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start right now to go back to the old, go back to the well a few times. <laughs> oh, man, this is just like that. Let's Miyazaki start movie for the first away. time to go back to the well. Just like that Miyazaki movie, Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> it's Kurosawa, and you know that. And you're making me angry on purpose. <laughs> <laughs>everybody uh we finally left our purgatory uh we were able to uh look at andy real hard and and tell him to stop it and then it all kind of went back to normal uh everything snapped back to reality so that was great um and we had a fun little dip into that in that pond into that cursed world uh but we're back in the normal world yeah but that's fine um we just love you for it so uh Thanks for listening to Over the Garden Wall. And yeah, again, we've got just one more.
yeah one more week and uh and if you wanna if you wanna follow us on on the facebook and the, the twitter and all those other fun little social media places that's where we are we live there uh but it's purgatory so social media sucks in this world um oh just in this just, world just, just, in, a, just in our pretend purgatory social media sucks no, that's just the real world problem. Social media. Ooh, sucks, 2019 I, takedown. Take that, it's 2019 takedown. <laughs> Fuck you, Zuck. Uh, and uh, we have a website, SaturdayMorningTuesdays.com or SatamTuesdays.com. I think we own both. I haven't checked. Uh, and you can find our past content on there and some other fun stuff. Uh, we also are on iTunes because, of course, you got to be on those iTunes, the Apple Podcasts, Tim Apple's house, as Rory is so fond of saying. Uh, oh, well, why is that so wrong? Why why am I why am I in the dog dick house for saying Tim Apple's house of podcasts? That's that's what the international call... house of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm down to IHOP, Apple IHOP, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna a... I'm gonna quadruple down whenever you start mentioning fucking voice actors. So be ready now, <laughs> ready now. You're in. You just you just you just let the dogs out if. It, <laughs> Oh, it was me. I did that. The Baja man were wondering, and uh, you just turns the dogs out, out. Turns out, I did it. Uh, and if you go on iTunes and leave us a rating, we're going to really appreciate it because we like those five stars. It's a five is the best number of the stars. Don't do four uh, unless you're going to then Unless you feel like we star. earned only four. It would hurt our feelings, but it would be <laughs> fair as fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, so do all that stuff, please. We love you. Yeah, so we love you. Uh, Andy, I think, is a person who will say anything to get his five stars. But me and Austin love you. Yeah, we have integrity. (laughs) (laughs) See you next Tuesday.